When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, yours. We always give the NFL a tremendous amount of credit for making sure that we all know that the NFL is the big dog in town. But man, never, never is that made more clear than it is during the period of time that could also just be a simple publishing of a PDF. No, we're going to get a week, maybe, maybe two out of the NFL schedule release. You're damn right, Josh. That's right, baby. Time's ours here, game by game, all 17 (laughs) games, 18 weeks. We're going to go matchup by matchup. We're going to break down your keys to the game, your matchups to watch. Uh, just straight out of the gate, Joshua Briscoe, Nate Taylor, Seth Kaiser, all here. Seth, I mean, go ahead. X-Factor, Chiefs-Cardinals, week one, 325. Uh, clearly, the matchup you're looking for has to be... Probably, I'm going to go ahead and be controversial and say the most important factor will be how Patrick Mahomes plays. That's Ooh. great stuff. Final score, Ooh. Seth, let me get a score prediction here. I am going to say the Chiefs are going to score a gentleman's one and a half. Don't know that's possible, but I love it. It's going to be hard to set a line on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I should give this more. I should give that conversation more respect. Please take the, this seriously. Final yes. score now on May 16th. On May 16th, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Chiefs 37, Cardinals 19. The Chiefs break out of the gate, storming. Nate Taylor, week two, Thursday night football, first game on Amazon Prime, Chiefs Steelers, Chiefs, oh, Chiefs Chargers. They don't play the Steelers this year, but we didn't know that until Thursday. <laughs> uh, no, we did actually. No, we go did. Ahead. <laughs> Chiefs Chargers, I mean, go ahead, break it down. Mahomes, Herbert, what else can you say? No, Prime, Josh. Amazon Prime. Who, is that Kirk Herbstreet? Can you wait for Kirk Herbstreet? Kirk Herbstreet, Al Michaels. What a duo. Um, It's going to feel like college game day up in this bleep. Now, Josh, what we did find out was that the Chiefs are not playing the Steelers in the preseason, okay? That That's was right. the, that was the big revelation of uh, the big reveal on Thursday? Thursday. I, I love how you said whatever that word was supposed to be. That was beautiful. I it was going to try to say it myself again, but I don't think I'd be able to do it justice. Okay, the bit's over. This is this is why I type. Um I, now <laughs> all of this is to say uh Chargers, Amazon Prime why they do this to us? Why? Okay, uh, when you have these two teams that have been eyeing each other uh, all winter, all spring, all summer, to have a three... <laughs> they can't practice before this game, guys. Uh, now, <laughs> no, that's frustrating. <laughs> no. That was like, come on. Like, what are we doing? That is Jags Cardinals, if I've ever seen it, okay? Mm. I don't know if they play each other this year, actually. But, all right. Titans no Jags. Titans Jags. That's that's Thursday night annually. Um but look, I guess the Chiefs will win that game because they 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 won't have to travel um you know in the middle of the week for this. Um final uh, score, Nate. Let's go burning daylight. Andy, and after he does this, I have a real take on this game. I have a real schedule take. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes in the season, in the home opener, excuse me. Uh, we all know the record in September. Yes, yes, Justin Herbert broke that record last year, but I got the Chiefs winning 27-20. Seth, new look, uh, Indianapolis Colts, Matt Ryan, and they have a lot of thoughts on what he's going to look like in that Colts system. No, the bit's over. I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to take the ball back, I'm going to dribble out in the half court for a second. Already talking about basketball makes me sad. My hand hurts more than Chris Paul. Um, so, let, let's, let's freeze here I, for a second. I, what, what, is, what, is, what is your I, hot take, Seth? What's your hot I, I, I've got two things. First of all, Josh, I really appreciate that you are willing to record with us like less than 24 hours after burying the Suns on national television. I, no, 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 no. I turn on was, my TV. Was, I was, turn on my TV and I see Josh Briscoe <laughs> draining threes wearing a Dallas Mavericks jersey. Yeah. Only now he's like seven feet tall. Yeah. 
And just, I mean, I always thought you liked Booker, but instead you're smiling at him at the free throw line like he's your worst enemy. It was, it was, it was interesting to see. Diabolical. Diabolical. So I appreciate you joining us. Yeah, I um, honestly, I, I felt, I, I felt like I deserved a longer break than I did after my extended hospital stint. This is harder to be back and doing a show after. <laughs> hey, uh, I, look, every everybody acts tough when they out. Josh, <laughs> everybody acts tough. You know, I just, by the way, I just want to walk around in my house and be like, everybody talk, everybody talks tough and they up. Like, yep. Wife has no context. My son has no context. (laughs) Just, just walking around. They pick, they pick Tobias Harris over me. I'm sorry, Josh. That's no, that's fine. I, I I feel like Jimmy Butler, but not in that sense, but in the doubled over on the table and the meme from the bubble sort of sense. I'm just, mm. yeah. I, you know, I feel like mm. I've been feel like I've been carrying this team, you know, and I, ultimately I was I was let down. But um, no. but yeah, no, I mean, look again. It, it, this has been, you know, can can I currently see right now because my my eyes are full with tears still now a a full twenty hours or so after the game. Yeah, of course. I mean, that is, you know, I'm, would you really I'm not call, gonna. Would you really call what happened there a game? Like, uh, I would say they played a game with the Suns. The Ma- I would say the Mavs played a game with with like, my beautiful with my beautiful Phoenix Suns. Some, some In the same it- way that my chickens once played a game with a toad that they caught. <laughs> yeah, or or that one time that a I think a wolf broken or a fox that, broken yeah, played, played a game with your chickens. Played a game with those chickens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it, it was it was more like a shoot around just at night. <laughs> You're sick, Nate. No, it, it was it's, no. I, it's accurate. I mean, it. I would say Absolutely. the only the only disagreement is that there's a chance that the Suns might have showed up for a shoot around, and they weren't <laughs> there for the actual game. So I'm not oh. even sure. I mean, I might be giving them too much credit. This is like the podcasting version of tweeting through it, and I respect yeah. you. Yeah, I, no, I've. I'm. I will say I, this has been great for my tweeting through it game because yeah. I just have. I have no other choice. Yeah, no, you uh, but, did a good job with it. You're a good sport. There's always next year. I think Luca is getting Paul, pretty. Except for Chris Paul, who's 37. I, yeah. Well, yeah, and I think Luca's getting pretty close to retirement, so you're not gonna have to go through him every year. <laughs> he's he's like he's 33, right? Or is that 43? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, did he, I read that he, wrong? He and Chris Paul are both up there. I think there's only about 20 years difference between the two of them. So I I actually have a let's see. Now I have two takes. One, Luca's presence is proof that I think actually I've been wrong for years and I think Larry Bird would dominate in the modern NBA. I always figured he probably couldn't because he's playing a bunch of insurance salesman looking dudes. <laughs> but watching, it's like, it's not like Luca is like, do you watch Luca and you're like, oh, that dude's a way better athlete than Larry Bird was. I mean, I don't know if I see that. No, I think, you, I think you're making some excellent points. Apparently having incredible handles and being able to shoot the ball instantaneously from anywhere is a very translatable skill. Yeah, yeah, it um, works. So I'd love to agree with you on the complimentary side of that, but I would hate Luka Doncic less if he had kidnapped my entire family. <laughs> wow. It was, you know, I don't, I mean, I just don't watch the NBA much. I, I just don't have time to follow any other sports league because, I already spent too much time on the Chiefs, contrary to what this podcast has been so I know. far. Well, we started um, we started with some very serious schedule breakdown. So, but uh, but I did get a chance to watch a few glimpses of that game, and whoo, that was that was like uh, that was like some like ninety two. And so, Josh, you know, so Michael Jordan was a basketball player back in the nineties mm-hmm. who was known for being very competitive, and yeah. he once played a guy called Tr- Clyde Drexler. Who people thought was uh, almost as yes. good. Oh, the, yes. the, the media, the yes. poor Clyde dared to exist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Jordan, Michael Jordan decided that could not stand. And that that was like it was a similar feel, like in terms of just like, oh, so he's just not gonna miss for a while. That's nope, not unfortunate. For, not for an yeah. entire half, kids, in game one of the NBA finals. Nope, not a not yep. a Nope. And that's that's nope. exactly the feeling like Luca had during that first half. It was like, ah, I'm gonna throw this thing up. Yeah, yeah, but you're halfway between the three-point line and half court. Yeah, but still. Why not? You know what's the worst could happen? It's like, well, that, the, this, that. Is, this this is the last thing I'll say, Josh. The series went from them literally hunting Luca yeah. on every switch in game two. Yep. Yeah. To Luca just eviscerating 
everybody in a sun's uniform. Oh, Chris wants to get this? Fine. Oh, c- campaign? <laughs> get out of here. Which, by the way, the things he did to campaign in Dallas were criminal. Okay. Um, Bridges. Long, lanky. Defensive player of the year candidate. Yeah. Very, yeah. very good. Um, son, you can get this work in the post. Um, <laughs> uh, he, he posted up seven foot and and um former Phoenix son DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> and, and 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 son and Holly was laughing at this because I had to rewind it, but it's like, hey, one of Holly's favorite basketball things is the guy who's like, I'm gonna get a charge. I'm gonna get my feet down, I'm plenty, <laughs> hit me in the chest, and he flies back. And he starts looking around and saying, why, why, why is everybody else continuing to play basketball? <laughs> uh, Luca did that to, I believe, Mr. Johnson, and he's still sliding. Um, yeah. While Luca yeah. makes a 30-footer in his face. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, look, it just uh, it just went from a guy who couldn't defend anybody in, in game two going uh, going nuclear, and, and, um, and nobody could defend him in game seven. Yeah, and also the Suns just did not uh, didn't think that making a basket would be important at any point well, from Game you know. Three on. Um, Chris Paul's Chris Paul's body is held together like um, like Scrooge's partner in the Christmas Carol, you know, or just like he's got like just a, a piece of cloth like holding his jaw in place. Mm. Um, Chris Paul's walking around like with ice taped to his quads while trying to. Just, just trying to effort, <laughs> just trying to effort his way across half court. Yeah, it's, it's bad. So, um, anyway, thanks for coming to my therapy session, everybody. As a, as payment, we'll give you forty five more minutes of Chiefs talk on the other side of this. I guess again, to Seth's point on the plus side, at least Luca's already twenty three years old. Uh, he could drop off at any point now. Yeah, any point. So he's not I, I gonna get most, better. With most experience. players peak at twenty three or twenty two. I'm thinking. Yeah, but I. I have a legitimate take on week two of the schedule. Yes, here, please. Here, this, hold on, everyone. We're back in Chiefs mode. So if you're about yep. to send us an angry tweet about how we talked about basketball for four minutes, uh, won't happen again. Sorry, sir. We apologize. And um, to be fair, that was Chiefs that from was, here on out. That was more my fault than anything. Oh, yeah, I sure as bleep didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> so, uh, so obviously the Chiefs in week two have their Thursday night game where it's like, yeah. hey, this is a huge matchup against you know the team that is, I think – supposed to challenge them for supremacy in the AFC West between Mm -hmm. them and the Broncos. It's like, oh, we might as well throw it on a Thursday night, just right out of the gate. Like just, here's the thing to me that I would say, every team has to play on Thursday night at some point in the year. Mm -hmm. I would rather, because you've got the shorter turnaround time, which hurts you for, you know, one for rest and two for game planning, right? Yes. I would prefer the Thursday night game, if you can't have it be the first week week of the year, that it be the second week of the year, because that both of those things that are hindrances, they're not as much of hindrances, right? 100% agree. You you can you can so, game plan for the first two weeks of the season so, for those so, two so months you, that you have. So you're telling me Andy Reid called the league and manipulated this? No. <laughs> yes. Um, that actually wouldn't stun me now that I'm thinking about it, but on that note, I'll tell you what this, we, we played this on the radio a couple of times. The NFL, I think I got to grab his name again because it it was legit fascinating is the NFL's VP of broadcast planning, I believe is his official title. He talked for like five or six minutes about his name is Mike North. He talked for five or six minutes about the intricacies of the schedule planning process. And I, I've always kind of been a sucker for just like somebody with kind of a niche uh, expertise, just explaining it in depth. Uh, something I've never even really considered in my life before. He was fascinating. The science of the schedule, I have a legit appreciation for. Yeah. Um, if you just Google, like, if you Google Mike North and and NFL, try to find a video of him talking about it this year, or you can listen to the, the my podcast feed. I guess uh, he really was excellent on that front. So I don't, I don't know how much uh, sway Andy Reid had, but he was talking about finding the perfect grain of sand. It was it was actually like fascinating. Hmm. Hmm. That is interesting. Well, and I think that's one thing that makes like certain things harder to do. With the schedule, because there's a lot that goes into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, to be fair, it's the NFL. They'll make anything work. Nate, remind me, how many games did the NFL have to cancel because of COVID? It was at least like five, six, seven. Uh, looking at, at least my notes. Three. Um, <laughs> carry the one. <laughs> wow. Somehow that equals zero. 
Yeah, <laughs> the, the NFL is very aware. And Josh, you know, you made a joke about it, but the 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 behemoth that is the NFL is a very real thing. And they know every single game is a lot of money and they will make it happen. And so, and look, really, and look, they could overcome anything. Yeah, and, and look, think about it from this way. You know, if Andy Reid wants Andy Reid wants, that's fine. But, like, the real culprit here is Amazon Prime. Yeah, it's um, Jeffrey Bezos. Oh, it's, it, it's the idea that, like, I mean, you've thought about it. You've heard your friends say that, like, hey, Amazon Prime is a wonderful service. Hey, don't worry about the people who are delivering these packages, but you could get these packages, like, as you're clicking the button. And it's look, amazing. You, you've, 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 you know, you're a person of principle until now. Because. <laughs> Your football team, because everyone's got a price, man. Because your football team plays its home opener against its division rival on Thursday night. And look, hey, if we rolled out Jags Titans, you would be like, you know, I can catch the highlights. I can, I can look at the box score. Hell, Sports Center, they got me, you know. But nah. Mm-mm, not with these two quarterbacks. Mm-mm. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, Amazon Prime in the most, um, shall we say, unimaginative <laughs> opening of, hey, we got Al Michaels, and you're going to have to click this button. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it works. Welcome to 2022. It was nice that you use Amazon occasionally. Now you'll use it forever. That really is. Yeah. I mean, I think that really is it. I will make the note that uh, in the, the, I think it was during the draft that was actually announced, you know, that this would be the first prime game. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the chiefs did say that, I don't think we know where yet, but they did say that there'd be a local over the air broadcast affiliate that would carry this game. Sure. Um, <laughs> I, I will, we will see where that goes, but just look, I mean, it, I want to watch Thursday Night Football this year, and I'm not currently subscribed to Amazon Prime Video, and I am probably going to have to. So it's going to work regardless. But just if there are any Kansas Cityans right now who are looking to hold out for uh, one more year or something on Amazon, you you may be able to. Uh, but we don't we don't know all the details of that yet. And maybe Jeff Bezos will buy all broadcast television networks in the Kansas City area and just shut them down. I don't know. I. <clears throat> He's ca- I'm honestly believe he might be capable of anything. So, um, is there is there anything else from either of you guys? I'll, I'll, real quick, I'll give you a couple of like highlights through the schedule. A couple of things that I think are kind of noteworthy that people probably already know at this point, honestly. But Thursday night football, week two, week four, Sunday night football uh, in Tampa Bay. Week five, Monday night football back in Kansas City against the Raiders. Week six, Buffalo uh, in Kansas City. That'll be the CBS featured afternoon game. The bye week in week eight, going into Sunday night football at home against the Titans. Uh, and then the uh, the other primetime game currently scheduled is against the Broncos, who they don't play until week 14. The two Broncos games are December 11th and January 1st. Yep. The one in Denver currently scheduled to be Sunday Night Football. Um, my personal favorite part of the schedule is that they're playing on noon on Christmas Eve at home. So yeah. they, they, the NFL largely, at least for us, you know, kept kept Christmas kind of where it, just where it's supposed to be. We're not going to have to... Do uh be doing any post game shows late into Christmas Eve or uh getting in on Christmas morning at Arrowhead? <laughs> um, so I'm happy about that. But th- those are kind of the things that jumped out to me. Either of you guys have anything that that jumps out? Three out of four of those first four games are on the road. Uh, they got a three game road stretch in December. Also, last thing, nine road games this year, seventeen game schedule. So if it seems like there's an extra road game, there is. Yes, correct. Because you got an Aaron Rodgers Packers team at home as the mm-hmm. ninth home game last year. Um. Look, I, I think the, the games that truly matter are Buffalo. Yet again, like, Buffalo's got to be like, why we got to go to Arrowhead, man? Like, mm-hmm. why? Um, And Cincinnati on December 4th. Uh, I, I wrote it in The Athletic that, like, sure, there's a lot of intriguing games. Um, but I think from a revenge factor, it'll be interesting to see where the Bengals are now that they have expectations truly placed upon them. And mm-hmm. and I think this is the first time, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, fellas, but this is the first time where I really believe, like, you know, it's a different team going up against Tampa Bay because we will essentially be two years removed. Um, but 
and by the way, like the Chiefs will have a completely different offensive line, which, you know. Sorry. Uh <laughs> for for the Bengals game, uh, there are enough characters on both sides that are involved. Obviously, the Jamar Chase element still exists. Um, and given that the Bengals are the first team uh to beat the Chiefs, you know, back to back. Really in the Mahomes era in the in a in the same season outside of Tom Brady when he was with the Patriots, um, I think this is the first time where the Chiefs can go into a game fully believing that they are the hunter instead of the hunted, um, which is obviously a, a new twist on this new era uh, or this new sort of regime that is you know revolving around Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Hmm. I. You know, in in terms of things, Stan, I think everything Nate just said is accurate. I mean, one thing I would say is everyone's talking about how hard a schedule it is right now. And, and it might be a super hard schedule. I have no idea. But it's worth noting, like, I mean, we just don't know what any of these teams are going to look like. We don't. Mm-hmm. Um, teams fall apart. Teams get way better. We just, we have no idea. No one would have pegged Cincinnati as being the team to beat the Chiefs. I still can't believe they lost. Correct. Yep. I'm still pissed about that, honestly. But it's, anyway, I just said pissed. Goodness. I was going to, I just was going to see if you would keep going. Like, are we going to get an F bomb? Like, Seth just no, said pissed no, on the podcast of not. twice. I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have said that. Anyway. I'm, no, I'm I, glad you did. I am aggravated. I'm very, I'm very peeved. Say but crap. I would just Let's say, see how it feels. I, one, one team that I feel for. Is Buffalo like Cincinnati? I think they're kind of done playing with house money, but I mean, they get to be the team like, nah, we've got the Chiefs number, we're the giant killer, like, we're the giant now, you know, all that, right? Mm-hmm. And and hey, their fan base get it, Chiefs fans, if you're listening, Bengals fans get to talk mad trash to you, and that's just it. That's how it works. This is how the game is played. Remember that every time you say something terrible to a Broncos fan, um, <laughs> which man, can you imagine if the Chiefs sweep them again this year? <laughs> oh, that would be so sweet. So that's actually one thing that stands out to me. Not that we didn't know they'd be playing Denver twice, but I can't help but notice that the schedule makers are giving Russell Wilson a lot of time to acclimate <laughs> to his new environment before he faces Spagnolo's weird defenses and the Chiefs. That annoys me a little bit, but I don't care that much. But man, if you're the Broncos, you've got to beat the Chiefs at least once this year. Like you can't get swept for like the ninth year in a row or whatever it is. Um, But with the Bills game, I feel bad for the Bills to an extent because no matter what happens, it's, yeah, I mean, they, they, they thumped the Chiefs last year during the regular season, like beat them pretty badly. And it still didn't matter in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Because Mahomes did some stuff. And so, which, by the way, here's another, here's just a little treat for anyone. Go rewatch that divisional round game again. I know the AFC Championship stunk. That was a bummer how it ended, all that stuff. Seriously, though, I thought it would ruin that game for me. I went back and rewatched it the other night. Absolutely does not. That fourth quarter was one of the craziest things I've ever seen in my yep. life. Yep. Um, just absolute crazy. And it's so much fun. And so, really, if you're Buffalo, that's a big game for you. But really, what's your best case scenario? You blow the Chiefs out. What does that mean? Well, you don't know because it really didn't mean that much last year. So I, I just all of this is interesting. But I mean, I guess we'll see what happens. You know what I mean? Um, I've had people email me saying, you know, if the Chiefs can just win like, you know, four of those first seven, they'll be good to go. And to me, like they could really start off the season two and five. And I'd still be like, man, they really need to win some games. But we just we saw last year that they can push through adversity and we'll we'll kind of see how it goes. Yeah, two two little things from what you guys just mentioned. One on the Broncos front, you're right that those two games being that late gives him a lot of time to get comfortable in that in that offense. Also, I don't hate that Russell Wilson's gonna have to play at Arrowhead on January first, or or frankly, even in Denver uh-huh. early in December. Like the the Seahawks Stadium is open air partial roof I think technically um but I don't I don't think of uh of Russell Wilson as somebody who is gonna be the guy with the type of cannon you want throwing through uh blustering winter winds or whatever so um I I think that's kind of interesting also the AFC West is going to look some way at some point by week 14 so that's going to make that all really interesting and they'll be done playing the chargers by week 11 they go 2 and 11 for the chargers and 14 and 17 for the weeks against the broncos um but you guys are right obviously about 
you know, oh, the, but the schedule is so hard, whatever. I would say looking beyond looking beyond the bye week, maybe looking beyond week six is is particularly silly. Yep. But I do think that it's kind of interesting to look at the first two weeks, first four weeks, maybe first six weeks, because the Chiefs for the first time are doing this from a tremendous position of of early season uncertainty. Like whenever you talk about how different the team has looked, the new offensive line was the only thing we asked about through what felt like six months of training camp. You know, we were just, so what about this offensive line? Well, now we, we got to see what they look like against the Cardinals or Chargers or Colts, where the Chargers, at least in particular, that, that's a game that it, you'd, you'd put yourself behind the eight ball by losing that game that early in the season. So for sure, is George Karloftis going to be completely reliable right out of the gate? Woo. Question now is that uh, is even more important because the the option that we thought might be there uh, isn't going to be. So unless either of you guys really want to get a, a record prediction off, which I think we've all probably signed off on seeming kind of silly right now, uh, I, w- I would like to spend a few minutes talking about who is not going to be rushing the passer for the Chiefs this year, or maybe at least until halfway through the season when they get him for a sixth round pick. Wow. I hadn't, <laughs> I hadn't put that together. <laughs> which... um. You know, it's always fun in like middle of May uh, before OTAs have started, and all of a sudden I'm like, "Why is my phone like doing phone things?" And you're like, <laughs> "Really, really? I just want to." By the way, I'm you know this happens to a lot of people, so I'm not. Um, I am not uh, unique in this, but you know, uh, I just I just wanted to hang out with my kid at the park and <laughs> <laughs> and, and and sometimes you just make. Um, reasonable decisions, and I was just like, yeah, eh, eh, eh. What I'm saying is, I was really Larry Davian in it. Uh, out there. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I actually stopped what I was doing and was like, yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> so continue, Josh. <laughs> well, so Melvin Ingram, after being placed the having the UFA tag placed on him a little bit ago, Brett Veach talked about that shortly thereafter as well. Uh, he's a Miami Dolphin, and I believe that I saw today or maybe late yesterday that his contracts for about five million dollars. Yeah, the, the Chiefs tag would have given him four point four. Correct or four? Yeah, yeah, four. Yeah. In the I think low I saw four point four. Yeah, yeah, right. In the low four, um, four point two is what I had seen. Um, but I mean, like, I yeah, it was it was so, going to the. By the way, before you, I'm sorry. Now, now I feel like I've interrupted. Uh, no, no, no. Go ahead. In an unfortunate manner, but what the tag? My understanding is what the tag illustrated to the Dolphins, which was the team most likely to compete for Melvin Ingram's services with the Chiefs, was. You have to go around five to five point five million to make it worth Melvin's time for him to show up. And of course, because I had not put these two, you know, this 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 projection out like you did, Josh. This is exactly what happened last offseason, where the Chiefs were like, Hey, you seem to fit the system. We'd love to have you. How about three point five? How about, you know, like we're we're still kicking some money around, it's a little tight. You know, um, hey, just work with us. And then then the Steelers, I think, gave him $4 million. And he was just like, sign. (laughs) And there was voids in the contract. And I think it was like a, they gave him a larger than usual signing bonus, which is why he played on like, what, a million last year was his base salary. Mm -hmm. Um, And so all this was to signal to the Dolphins, like, hey, if you really want him, uh, you're going to have to pay him more than what we are sort of what our parameters are set with this tender. Uh, and then Melvin Ingram, who I think was in an interesting position because he has a path towards starting with the Dolphins. I think that path is probably easier with the Chiefs, uh, but they were willing to give him $5 million and, uh, and and no state income tax and, and sunny weather and – all right, that's that's what he chose to do. So this is two years now where Melvin Ingram, who knows he's in sort of the, the back end of his career, is like, where the money at? Yeah, and before people get fired up about percentages of stuff, $600,000 is a lot of money. Like, that's just a lot of money. 
You know what I mean? And that's yeah, that's something. It, but it, it's sorry. It, it's a lot of money in your salary. It is not a lot of money in the Chiefs' current salary. Oh cap no, 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 I, oh, no. So that no, no. that particular I, no. hang up for me. No, I don't. I don't begrudge Melvin Ingram. Whatever his logic is, and also like Nate said, you know, six hundred grand, and also no taxes down there. Yeah. So you know that I, I that turns into a lot more than six hundred grand. I guess maybe he wanted to be in Miami. Whatever. I don't. I said this is the closest I got. I think to to ending up being dunked on whenever the, the Chiefs traded for him, and then he was good last year. My logic was well, but you decided you're willing to give up a six to go get him mid season. Where when Isn't did you six hundred grand worth that? When when did you stop putting your Not little base. your little paddle up in the air at the at the auction? You know, like oh well, we'll give you five million. Like they're going to give him four four. And and I think with the tag you have to set it at something, and then the Chiefs have an opportunity to match, right? They they do not. There is not specifically matching. Oh, okay. Um, yes. language. Yeah. It is so a compensatory. You, it's yeah. it, It's basically like, hey, here's what we we will give you this if you sign here at this point. This is your number, and yeah. if you go somewhere else, we'll get that you added to our compensatory pick formula, which is which is nice. They the Chiefs will get something in return here, mm-hmm. like they would have just losing him in free agency earlier. Like we are sixth. So full circle. I also this is really don't indulge me on this one because Seth isn't going to be with us that much longer on this particular episode, and we got stuff to talk about. But why wouldn't they have put this tag on Tyron Matthew, at, knowing that he was not going to come back on a cheap one year deal? I don't know why this isn't a loophole that more teams use. Anyway, there's probably a reason for it. I've just wondered that to myself. I don't know. I feel like you just use that on anyone that you know you're going to lose after they if they don't sign during the. Yeah, before, that is, section. The that draft, is an yeah. interesting that's an interesting hill to to go down i i just I want know. to vent for a second yes go. please do that go. was my that was my one thing that honestly i'm floating out there if someone in our audience has an absolute expertise if brant tillis wants to text me i just yeah. am kind of curious if that's a loophole that teams would use anyway yeah. back to you so i i had a bunch of people i, I basically tweeted out like i don't like this and i proceeded to have my mentions filled with people explaining well you know youth movement and i was like i get stop that. looking at your mentions Problem solved. I, you know, I just, right. I ahead. feel bad ignoring people. I already have, I already ignore way too many people, honestly. Um, so here, here's the thing, because one of the rebuttals that I hear is, well, the Chiefs pass rush was bad last year anyways. Uh-huh. That's like when people said when, you know, the offense was bad, right? And they had Jamal Charles. It's like, well, the offense stinks with him. So he, you know, so who cares? It's like, okay. We all know football is a team sport. And if your argument is that guy alone, all by himself, is not enough to carry an offense or, in Melvin Ingram's case, generate pass rush rush consistently, I would agree. Here's what I can't figure out. So with this guy that you can look at his film and see that he played well, not incredibly, but well, Mm -hmm. above average, consistently. The only guy to get a sack in the AFC Championship game. Yep. And so, and a guy who just, he's, he's a good player. Again, not a great player, but a good player. Do If someone were to say to me, well, you need more than two good pass rushers to have a consistently good pass rush, I would say, absolutely, I agree. But getting rid of one of them is not the answer. And that's where, like, I just don't understand this disconnect. And I understand people want to believe the team's got good reasons for doing stuff. I'm sure they do, whatever. But to me, your pass rush was a problem last year. And this was such an easy solution. And is, is Melvin Ingram a, a game breaker? No, he's not. But you want to at least avoid taking a step backwards and give yourself more of an opportunity to move forwards. Could they still be a better pass rush this year? Sure. But now you've added other things that need to go right. And it's just frustrating to me when it this kind of thing, this kind of nickel and diming of competent players drives me crazy when you're you're handing out i'm still not over the the clark contract the hitchens contract and the watkins contract Mm. and who knows maybe this is a whole like hey lesson learned we have decided to become a team that sets a number and will not go over it and if that's the cost of doing business fair enough i do think that I find myself frustrated the moments where it seems like they set these hard lines in the sand with players that can help as opposed to sometimes when it seems like they'll open up a blank checkbook to players that I don't think move the needle. Mm. 
And that that's frustrating for me, but that's just a matter of probably analyzing players differently. Except in this case, I know they thought Ingram was helpful because they said it. And we all know Andy Reid never lies to the media. So, but, but I mean, it was just so obvious. And so it's just a frustrating thing. It's something that I'm writing about right now is the pass rush was clearly a concern. They had an opportunity for maybe the pass rush to be better this year. Mm-hmm. If Ingram comes back and Karloftis is a, an above average rookie, right? Let's say he's just, he's a decent pass rusher as a rookie, which is not a guarantee people. Mm-hmm. I know they took him in the first round, but that's hard to do well consistently. He'll probably have some good games, but doing it well consistently is incredibly hard as a rookie. Um, But you had a chance there, right? Because now you've added an extra guy to the mix. Now you've added an extra guy, but now you've lost a guy. And so you still don't have enough guys. And that's like, you need guys, you need bodies. And I'm, I'm, I'm beyond frustrated by this because it just feels like this off season has been a little more two steps forward than, than three steps back for me. Let me ask you both each one question. Just give me the simplest answer you can think of to give me these. Uh, Seth, what do you think is something, a prediction you could confidently make about the level of play George Karloff this will have specifically in his rookie season? Confidently? Yeah, not 100%, but you know, 80% confidence interval. George Karloff this will at least do this. Um, I would have confidence hmm. that he would be, he will have some games where he's an above average pass rusher. Nate, how many games is Frank Clark going to play this year? Uh, Because he is theoretically in a contract year, I'm going to give him 14 games. Now, are those 14 games going to be uh, high-level play? Well, that remains to be seen. Um, But Frank is in a position where he needs to have a quiet offseason, which as of May 16th, that is occurring. Um, He needs to remain (laughs) healthy. and uh, he needs to get through training camp in the preseason um, smoothly so that he can play those 14 games at the best that he is capable of. I know there are 17 games in the season, um, and I know this is a bit optimistic, but from a contractual standpoint, uh, that would be a good move for him when he enters free agency, which is likely the destination after after this upcoming season ends. Here's here's what I would add there. Last year, Alex Okafor played 41% of the Chiefs' snaps. Mike Dana played 47. Frank Clark played 59. Chris Jones, obviously some inside, some outside. I don't have the splits there. He played 56% total. Melvin Ingram played 31% of the Chiefs' snaps. Obviously, he was only here for half a season. Either Alex Okafor is coming back on a third consecutive, just one year deal, or Mike Dana and, and I guess Josh Kando are about to get some work. Yep. Like, I think I think George Karloftis probably leads this this edge group and total snaps taken. That's the thing I'm planting my flag in, and even more so now because just if he comes off the field, all of a sudden all, that that those rumblings of of Malik Herring hype that started in minicamp had better continue through St. Joe. Because this group is shallow as bleep right now, man. This It is a rookie, a veteran who has been hurt and inconsistent, a the, the most perfectly average rotational edge on, in, in football in Mike Dana, which I mean is mostly a compliment. It's hard to do. And then Josh Kando, who we have literally, who has not been an impact player since high school. That is the edge rotation right now. Yes. I don't, and, I don't think Melvin Ingram was going to single-handedly change this pass rush to your point earlier, Seth. But right. holy goodness, this it it is shallow. It is shallow through the depth, and it is uncertain at the top. And, and that, that's a terrible combination of things to be. And that's the only point is this hurts it. Does it hurt it a tremendous amount? No. But when you don't have uh, – let, let me put it this way. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I, I got a I got a good buddy named named Wes who's in fantastic shape for us. He's 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 a dude in his early forties. He's in great shape. He's taking interesting care of that you would talk about your friend Wes and not your friend Josh, who's also in incredible shape. But that's fine. <laughs> I was good. You choke on something there? You okay? <laughs> Sorry, that just made me laugh. Um, huh, that's weird. I wasn't wh- joking. If Wes were to gain ten pounds, that's probably <laughs> not ideal for him. You right. know, fellas our age. If I were to gain 10 pounds, 
Now I weigh 240 and there's a problem because I'm 5'9 on a good day. 5'9 and a half. Got to do the short guy obligatory add the half inch. At that point, it's basically 5'10. 5'10 is basically six. It it might as well be 5'10. You're right. Good point, Josh. Um, But I mean, that's, here's, here's the point to that. There is, I mean, I could have just used my wife, I guess, as a frame of reference. She, her gaining 10 pounds and me gaining 10 pounds. Hey, no, 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 no. Hey, no, 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 no. I got to look out for you sometimes. Because it's so much worse if I do it, No, no, it's just, no, Seth, listen, I know I'm not married. I know, I know, I know you've been married for a while and I know that, I know that you guys have, you know, a wonderful relationship, but I just want to, sometimes I got to help you help yourself. Right on the hand, right on the grenade there. I walk you up to the cliff all the time. This time I saw you sprinting at the cliff from 20 yards away. It's like, I got to stop him. You came in and tackled yeah. me from the side. But yeah. So here's so me and my friend Wes will continue with that because I'm on the edge, man. And by on the edge, I mean I probably should have stopped gaining weight about 20 pounds ago. I'm on the edge is how I'm choosing to view it. And gaining 10 pounds when you're on the edge is way worse when you gain 10 pounds and you're already in great shape. The Chiefs are on the edge at best and probably should have not put on the last 20 pounds they put on, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and so that's it's a messy analogy but it works because it's a much bigger deal to lose a competent player when you are already on the edge than like if like hey you know they this offseason they signed von miller and randy gregory but no melvin ingram walked well then we wouldn't right. care as much right. it's just frustrating because it just but, pushes you that much more over the edge like it's going to when i eat a bunch of reese's peanut butter cups tonight but seth <laughs> what happens when you get towards the season and, you know, some people say you didn't come into the season in shape. And then other people say, well, he's got to play his way into shape. And you don't even really care until the midway point of the season. And then, you know, even though there are trades, even though there are people that are, you know, brought off the street with 10 day contracts tied to them. What if just just hear me out? What if? You thought your team was out of shape, and then the next thing you know, he's the best player on the court. <laughs> is that about Seth's friend Wes or Mike no, Dana? Or I think is, I lost the analogy. This in somewhere, is Hope somewhere. Springs I'm, Eternal. Yeah. No, this is this is this is uh this is about Luka Doncic. <laughs> <laughs> Every everything is. Sports talk, my nightmares, it's just everywhere. I can't look away from I mean, him. I, I, mean, look at, look, I look every, in the mirror and I see him. Everybody said he didn't care about defense. Everybody said he came out of shape. Everybody said, uh, you know, he dilly-dallin' out there. And, uh, you know, he got away with it. <laughs> he got away with it. The regular season is trash. He got away with it because the Suns point guard's older than Seth. <laughs> that was mean and accurate. That was really <laughs> that is, and that is that is something when you think about it. Because I, I I chainsaw one tree down yesterday, and I'm exhausted. <laughs> so the you know what? Respect to Chris Paul for being able to play three games in a series. But Seth, he just played seven. No, he no, didn't. no, he, he played didn't. two. He played two. Yeah. Um, Seth, I can hear you getting far away from your microphone. I know you you need to dip, but I, I wanted to see if we can get one last uh, minute of analysis from you. Also, you mentioning chainsawing one tree. At some point, I do want to just get a uh, or I want to submit a mailbag question to you guys to talk about just like general homeownership and like <laughs> yard maintenance because mm, sure. I've been having an incredible couple of weeks in that regard, and I just want to talk about it more. That um, I won't I won't force that in in today's show, but but really quick, if if you've got if I've you've got, got the thirty seconds to spare, um, I've got time. Oh well, then let's go ahead and let's go ahead and get into it then. Because I, 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 Nate and I can circle back on on Ingram if we want or, or schedule stuff. But since our last episode, you had three more film reviews come out on the rookie class, looking at at Brian Cook, Leo Chanel, and Darian Kennard. People need to go look at these again. MNChiefsFan.substack.com for the newsletter. You've got the clips. You've got all the logic behind all of this. But I, I was wondering if you could give us. Like maybe it's not even the biggest thing, but but one one big thing from each of these guys, something that you recognize that maybe you didn't see in other analysis, something you see in how they fit with the Chiefs, something that you learned in that process, but but just something that you think Chiefs fans ought to know before they, you know, buy their jerseys or decide what the depth chart should look like. Yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll just go in order. How's that sound? That sounds um, great. Brian Cook is a pick that I really like. I really like every one of the Chiefs picks all the way through the fifth round. 
Um, and I say that with a caveat. I'm not saying I don't like the seventh rounders, but I just haven't really looked at their film. Yep. And there's a caveat there. Josh Williams. Um, look, if someone listening to this has some all 22 from like, you know, Central Lakes College from Brainerd, Minnesota or wherever <laughs> Joshua Williams went to college. That's great. Please send it to me because I don't have it anywhere. Um, Disrespect for Fayetteville State on this podcast will not stand. <laughs> you know what? I forgot that it was Fayetteville State. So that is better. So anyway, there's no all 22 that I can find. So I just don't know with him. I know he tests well. He looks like he moves smoothly and he's huge, which is awesome. I mean, all those things are great. <laughs> um, So with these guys, though, I mean, the draft class, I liked the night that they picked them. And I like them more now that I've looked at the film. And that includes these three guys that I wrote about. Brian Cook. Um, one thing I really like with him is normally you have to pick with safeties. And by that, I mean, you need a guy who is either a thumper safety or he's a guy with some range. And Brian Cook can do both. Similar to Justin Reed in that respect. You're not having to pick. Like Juan Thornhill's a guy who will go for it, but he just, he doesn't arrive heavy, right? Mm. He's built a little lean. Uh, Brian Cook arrives pretty heavy. Now he gets run over a few times because he's still, you know, he weighs 200, 205. Like he's not, you know, you line up like that against a tight end every now and then you're going to get blasted. But he he plays super physical, but he also has really good range. I love the idea of him, depending on how he adjusts mentally, everything I read about him is super positive in that regard. Um, I love the idea of him taking Dan Sorensen's place. Um, as a guy who can actually be that hybrid linebacker slash safety and not just essentially an undersized linebacker because he can't play safety anymore, which is where Sorensen was at that point, right? Um, So that's like a takeaway with Brian Cook. I think he's got a path to seeing snaps early. Um, Leo Chanel is a maniac. (laughs) Um. He really like usually sometimes with dudes that talk, you know, kind of say, ah, I'm addicted to hitting people and stuff you're like, ah, sure you are. And then you watch the film. You're like, dude, are you OK? Like, are you actually like, do you have a problem? Like, is everything OK at home? Like, <laughs> it's like the old joke. Uh, there, there's an old joke where like two guys are looking at a horse and the one guy says to the other guy is like, you know, what we ought to do. We ought to melt down that horse and use it to stick stuff to other stuff. <laughs> and there's a pause and the guy looks at me and goes, Ed, is everything OK at home? It's just just a classic. Anyway, whoever invented glue was sick. And then in the meantime, Leo Chanel, um, his tape was more dominant than I expected for a dude that dropped to the third. And I think that was partly a usage issue because the modern NFL, I'll put it this way. Five years ago, I think he might be a first round pick. Mm -hmm. Um, He moves very fast downhill. And the thing is, he's got some sideline to sideline speed, too. Like, I mean, he tested as an incredible athlete, like as good or better athlete than Willie Gay Jr. I don't think he shows the same fluidity that Gay shows. He doesn't quite explode in change of directions the way that Willie Gay Jr. can. But he does explode. He can accelerate really well. And that's in all directions. He just doesn't have a great back pedal. But... Hmm. In terms of some of those zone drops the Chiefs asked their linebackers to do, he showed more than enough athleticism to do that. And he's also, he's another guy, like with Brian Cook, you normally have to pick, right? Okay, I want a guy who can line up as a Sam linebacker, who can line up on the edge and take on tight ends and occasionally even tackles, set the edge sometimes, blitz, and maybe drop into coverage in a pinch, but not too much. Or I want a guy with some range who can kind of, you know, go sideline to sideline, right? You, You need either, you know, Reggie Ragland or, you know, pick some small, fast linebacker, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, he's not as big as Ragland because Ragland's like a DN disguised as a linebacker. But Chanel can play Sam. He can line up on the edge and dominate tight ends. Can, can, he, play, can he play edge? <laughs> I've had more people ask me that. And <laughs> yeah, I look, get look, why. Look, look, look. It may, it may be a four-man front, but it's really a five-man front. And yeah. that's – I think you're going to see a lot of that. He's a gifted blitzer who actually, as a, as a pass rusher, can can do some stuff. Now, he doesn't he doesn't show bend. So, like, people are like, you know, he's kind of similar measurable to TJ Watt. For one, not really because you're talking multiple <laughs> arm length inches. Micah Parsons has freakish bend. Those are just things that are different. Now, yeah. he is unusually strong and he's unusually fast. 
I think you're going to see some five-man stuff with him. I think I think he could make an impact early. But he's a, another guy where normally you have to choose, and you don't have to. They got more physical and more athletic with him. And then, oh, man, my wife's calling me. I'm going to get killed. But that's okay. So, Hold on. Hold on. You want to just pick it up and put it on speakerphone? No, I'm I'm genuinely afraid. Um <laughs> I, I don't need to have I don't need to have my gonads snatched off Listen, in front of my I, entire audience. I help I helped you out earlier in this show and you're about to say what you what it would be like if she gained ten pounds. I feel like you owe me this one. She would be just as beautiful as ever, is what I was gonna say. Don't you don't need to go back to that. Well, that's fine. You could talk about Darren Kennard and then answer your wife's phone call. Oh my goodness. She's okay. All right, we're doing this. Hey, babe, I got you here on speakerphone no. with uh, Times Ours with Josh and Nate. How's oh, it going? No. Oh, great. Well, you said you'd be home at 5.15 when our company was here. So, I don't know. Um, I'm going on your way. I am on my way right now. He's driving. Second. He's in the car. All right. I, I love you. I'll Bye, see you guys. soon. We love you. <laughs> Bye. Uh, we, we do it for y'all, guys. We that do was... it for y'all. I'm Nate, sweating. Nate, Nate, I am quick. sweating. So I'm am afraid. I. She's only being nice because you guys are listening. Darren Kennard has a legitimate st- shot to start at right tackle. His table okay, is thanks. better than someone who thanks, held the thanks, Seth. I gotta go. No, that's fine. We'll read you on the Substack later. She said she said you'd be home at 5.15. It is 5.40. Oh, yeah. It happens. See you guys. I, mean, I didn't know you had company <laughs> over. You could have said you had company coming. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, <laughs> what, what, look, uh, we understand that we do, we just do it for y'all is all I'm saying. Dear listener, we love you. Thank you. Um, it's not every day you get to hear Miss Jazz. So, you know, uh, as much as you would like more from us, we're, 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 we're trying to create unique audio content for you. Uh, but no, he's, he's alive. He, he's, he's, he's fine. Now, if you want to ask me about one of his limbs, well, that I'm, I'm not sure your honor, um, but he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Um, he'll be, he'll be fine. I don't, I don't think she's going to hurt him. Not no, physically. Just, no. just, I just think that, well, you know, eh. there was, I, I thought that was withering just by the way she said, oh, hi, guys. Like, I thought, I felt like that was, I can't believe, look, I, if, can't be, I can't believe and believe you did this to me. Well, look, if, if I have to be a meat shield, then, then this is, you know, this is, this is my honor. Uh. No, yeah, that's what, no, that's what I'm saying. If, if, like, I don't know, I gotta, if, if Jazz texts me, like, oh, yeah, no, he, he's been in the car. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's, he's almost there. He, he left right whenever he just said he was Just a couple early. more, just a couple more. Sh- Couple more lights, and I'll be right there. Uh, yeah, um, just you, on, yeah, I've been getting all the traffic. All that can't Minnesota believe traffic. these red lights I'm getting. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> we should we should anyway. honestly do the next episode with just the two of us, so that it leads to speculation <laughs> about Steph's whereabouts. I think that's a great idea. I think we should just say, "I welcome welcome to the latest edition of Times R. Seth Kaiser no longer with us." Um, or just, just, uh, just not, not with us, not with us. Not, so that's, not, we'll keep yeah. it vague and open-ended. Yeah. Um, right. wow. Okay. Well, so the good news is we now have reached basically the, the end of the show. Was there anything on, on Cook, Chanel, or, or Kennard that you thought was particularly noteworthy? I've got something on the right tackle position. Yeah. Uh, at the very least. Yeah. You know, I got to see Chanel a little bit, um, during the rookie. Oh mini God. Camps. Yeah. Rookie mini camps happened since our last episode. Yeah. It's fine. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, kids, it's fine. There is, you know, there's a there's a lot of excitement, but these are rookies. And yeah. imagine starting, you know, it's funny, like I, I was trying to explain this uh to Holly, but it's like, you know, why do they do rookie minicamps? By the way, why do they do rookie minicamps on Mother's Day weekend? Are they are oh. they heathens? And it's like, well, business is business. Um, so it's like, hey, 
some of these kids, I think, haven't graduated from college or like they're in the process of like, you know, doing whatever is necessary to get their diplomas if they're if they're seniors. Um, obviously, some of these kids are juniors and they're, you know, they got to figure out whatever their situation is. Uh, so there's all that. There's all the personal stuff. Hey, you've never been to Kansas City from uh, before. Um, I love Brian just being like, yeah, I didn't even know y'all had barbecue, dog. <laughs> like y'all know y'all know for barbecue and it's like yeah man what what your what your uh, yeah did you, it's fine dude it's fine he's like it's fine it's it's, it's really camp like, he's like man all i know all my life is cincinnati and we were like well son your horizons are about to be a lot broader <laughs> oh <laughs> so there's all that but it's you think about however you started your career or your profession ladies and gentlemen, and just imagine the first day being everybody else's first day and how outrageously chaotic it looks. Um, <laughs> they call it a football <laughs> practice. I'm not sure that's what I watched Saturday or Sunday, honestly. Um, but I did get to see Leo Chanel play some Sam, play some Mike. Uh, he has some, if he can get there, and that'll be the big question. If he can get there, I think he does track the ball pretty well. Mm. Um, you know, this was the hard part for Nick Bolton where like you could see it sort of translate, but it's like, dude, these are the most accurate men who throw a football in the entire planet. So it's not the sec. <laughs> like it's just, it's not my man. So uh, obviously Nick Bolton had a really nice, um, I would say development as someone who dropped in the zone, like Seth mentioned and was able to make plays on the ball sort of in that November, December uh, part of the season. Um, and so maybe Leo Chanel has similar traits. Uh, he is a pretty charismatic person in terms of you can just understand his passion for the game. Um, I know we're going to talk about Kennard here in a minute. And I think those are the most intriguing matchups. And I wrote about it uh, just between him and, and Carl Loftus. Um, Cook did not do anything because of a shoulder. And Sky Moore did not do anything because of a hamstring. So... We will get, uh, I will have more detailed updates on them when we get to the OTA periods, which is later this month. Uh, one other thing there also that I did think was interesting for mini camps is that Justin Ross was out there. Like, yes. And, and even hearing from Andy Reid on that, I, I know that that was a topic in his presser. I think you asked one of the questions about mm-hmm. it. Did you, did you have the orthotics answer, I believe? Yeah. Um, <laughs> how How is feet looking, coach? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But what, what was interesting there that I, the impression that I got from Andy Reid is that Justin Ross, obviously lots of, of medical issues with his, his spine out of, you know, that, that derailed his career at, at Clemson really. And then also the foot issue, uh, that seemed like, a, you know, more of an active concern. Now, Andy Reid sounded like that, that Justin Ross was in a, a rust phase, not a rehab phase. Like not that he was going to, to right. still be by training camp, like working on a particular pitch count or anything. Like just he hasn't well, played. I, meaningful football right now. You know, I again, as I try to tell people, I I see that and I understand that. Um, you know, the way I wrote it, Josh, was that you know you you could basically treat him. They basically treated him as if he was a limited participant. If this was like a real practice, yeah. Um, yeah. and so again, if Andy Reid says he's fine, if Brett Veach says he's cleared, we haven't heard from Rick Burkholder yet, which may happen later on this summer or as we get started into training camp. But I just think they're going to be extremely cautious with with him um mm. and so if he picks things up by mandatory minicamp i think that's a really positive sign yeah. uh, one of the things that like i don't want to do because you're trying to understand the rhythm of like the practice and understanding why the coaching staff is having the guys do this or do that or the certain situations but i think one of the things i'll have to keep in mind with my notebook is uh, as I watch these practices uh, through their entirety is how many reps does Justin Ross do? And are those increased from week one to week two, week two to week mm-hmm. three, as we get to mandatory mini camp. Uh, but that may be something that I have to keep in mind just because it was clear that they saw him run some routes. And then these rookie quarterbacks who I shall not name would not throw <laughs> him the football. <laughs> and I was like, why are we here then? Um, which by the way, if 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 Sky Moore is not really out there, if uh, Cornell Powell is not really out there, I mean, throw the kid some balls, guys! Like, throw, yeah. get him some targets. But they Absolutely. didn't really target. They didn't really target him until Monday. Um, and I just think that was a very 
methodical approach from Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, you know, Matt Nagy and the like from the coaching staff. And hopefully we see more with the veterans um, and hopefully those 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 talented traits really translate because there's so much hype about him. And I want him to have some success, obviously, just from a human standpoint. But you also know, too, that, like, there's a reason this is the highest level. Um, and for however this goes, I just want to see him in training camp in pads and that to be like the real indicator. But between then and now, there's a lot of work to do to make sure that he is knocking off rust and not the other R word that, that is, <laughs> that is rehab. Yeah. Uh, and then to the, to the tackle position, uh, the one thing that I was going to say is just that the, the combination of Andrew Wiley, Lucas Niang, Darian Kennard, uh, and, and then also the uh, the tackle that they signed as a free agent out of Houston, John Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, those four guys are going, in my book, again, obviously they all have their questions. Rookie, injured, maybe a lower ceiling on Wiley, maybe a lower ceiling on, on Christian. Those four guys combined are going to create one competent starter and one competent swing tackle in my, in my opinion. Like that's that, or at least that's sort of what I would bet on at this point. So I just am, I am not particularly concerned about who starts or who starts where, uh, just because I, I feel pretty good about that unit covering those bases. If that makes yes. sense. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, for as much as George Karloftis had clearly the look of like, Oh, he the best dude on the field. Um, mm. there were times, and this is in Ricky Minicamp, there were mm-hmm. times where I thought, uh, and I kind of wrote about this, where Kennard adjusted, and then you got to see Karloftis adjust to Kennard's adjustment, and then you can mm. sort of see, like, don't, like, honestly, those were the reps that only mattered. <laughs> like, yeah. like, I can't be more direct. Now, there were times where, you you know, I wrote about uh, Justin Ross and Trick McDuffie, that was one rep, like, like I don't think there was any real reps where I could say one or the other definitively did anything against the other, except for that one rep on Monday. And from a writing standpoint, hallelujah. Thanks, coach. <laughs> Thank you. Because I watched a whatever hour practice on Sunday, on Mother's Day, for y'all to not throw the ball to Justin Ross in the 707 or 11 on 11 periods. And then they did it on Monday in, in the red zone period. Uh, and so I, I I appreciate you, Coach, because uh, we got to write about some guys now. But the only refs that really mattered were really Karloftis and Kennard, I believe, that like will mean something moving forward. There was some stuff with with Joshua Williams. You know, you kind of you kind of see what he's got in terms of length and and you know his change of direction. Um, I know people were somewhat concerned about. I don't know, guys. It's one rep in practice. But, like, Trent McDuffie, he's fine. He's good. Like, mm-hmm. d- like by the way, didn't really thought about him because he was out here covering guys. And mm-hmm. it's not a padded it's not a padded practice. Like, these are padless practices. We can only glean so much for them. But, you know, hey, Justin Ross had a very nice moment on Monday, and we got to talk to him on Sunday, I believe. So, all of this is to say is I think Andrew Wiley still has the edge. This is not, and I want to make this clear, this is not the Trey Smith path. Uh, There was no one in front of Trey Smith outside of Laurent Duvernay-Tardif who had not played football Mm -hmm. in over a year. Mm -hmm. So as much as people want to say, and as I think even Kennard sort of aligned himself with Trey Smith because obviously they both played in the SEC, and, you know, Kennard is a very smart human being and knows that, hey, if Trey Smith has success, there's a real opportunity for me here. And that's true. But Andrew Wiley exists. Andrew Wiley is good. And I think Chiefs fans just need to acknowledge that. Like, say it with me, guys. Andrew Wiley is a good football player. He's a good football player. And Darian, Yeah, I, I have no – I'm good with that. And, and Darian Kennard will have to exceed expectations – in a similar manner to Trey Smith, and he still might not win the job. Because, again, Andrew Wiley is a good football player. 
Uh, okay, there we go. There's a show for you. We will uh, we'll stop it there. If you want to read more about Justin Ross's uh, one one interesting snap, you know that's that's a lead in one of Nate's recent stories from minicamp. Also, more on the schedule and all of that stuff that we talked about from Seth is at mnchiefsfan.substack.com. Of course, all of Nate's work is up at theathletic.com. And uh, if you're not subscribed to the, to Times Ours wherever you get your podcasts, what are you waiting for? Just uh, just search up Times Ours. Tell a friend. Whatever, you know, yes. tell an enemy, tell a member of your family. Uh, and you can also follow all of us on Twitter for more at by Nate Taylor at real MN Chiefs fan at JB Briscoe. That's it. That's a show. Schedule set. Nate, get us out of here. Josh, I know you're hurting, yeah. but, I, but I've been hurting for hours longer because I just I just love Yadis. I love him. I thought he was going to drag the Bucks across the finish line in Boston a third time. And he just. You know, sometimes Patrick Mahomes doesn't win, doesn't get your team mm-hmm. to the Super Bowl. And sometimes Giannis gets tired. It's it's a weird phenomenon. But I just I just want to I just want to say my friend, I'm hurting alongside with you cuz I just he's so good. And you know, Boston had a better team. So yeah, if only if only Giannis had done something last year to perhaps dull the pain. Well, I mean, you know, I didn't want you to necessarily speak to that, but like, <laughs> that's why he was so great and why he is so great. And, you know, them boys was two wins away from just a lot being different. And, you yeah. know, it's it's that's why we love sports. Because the hope is what kills you, and last year's experience is not this year's experience.